This episode is sponsored by Audible. Get a free audiobook of your choice that you get to keep with their free trial. You can learn more at lutherancartographer.com slash audible. The Lutheran Cartographer, episode 82. Welcome to The Lutheran Cartographer, the podcast where we explore what it's like to be Lutheran in different places. I'm your host, Nicholas Weber. Today we are going to Rockford, Illinois to talk to Titus Berndt. He is one of my friends from Washington and reconnected with him and wanted to find out what he was doing lately. He is the co-founder of the Sons of Solomon, a devotional discipline. He's a member of St. Paul Lutheran Church there in Rockford and is an embedded systems engineer. Titus, welcome to the show. Thanks, Nick. I appreciate it. It's uh, good to see you again. It's good to see you too. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where have you been and where are you now? Well, uh, in terms of my memory, I grew up in central Washington in a small little town called George, uh, George, Washington. My father was the pastor there, and I lived there um, through high school. Uh, so when I was 17, I then moved to Seattle and went to college there. So attended university for four years. Um, that's where we actually got the chance to meet, which was a fantastic opportunity. Uh, good little community over there, solid, solid core of people, but uh, it's a bit of a wild. And so then got the opportunity about three years ago, four years ago to uh, come out to the Midwest and shipped out to Cincinnati for a few few weeks into India for two months. And then uh, I've been up in Detroit for uh, about three years now. And now just recently moved to Rockford, Illinois, um, past couple of months. And I'm a member now at St. Paul's, or St. Paul, correction, um, and have found that to be a, an interesting combination of so many other different pieces of my of my life so far. It's been it's been a pleasure. Fantastic. So tell us a little bit more about how you compare and kind of contrast some of those different places going from central Washington to Washington to now uh, the Midwest. What were some of the big differences or small differences that you saw? Out West was, was strangely um, comfortable in terms of the Lutheran identity. Uh, there's not as many confessional people out west. Uh, and I know in the small town I grew up in, there really weren't many at all. Part of that's just being in a rural congregation. Uh, when you're about an hour away from the nearest Lutheran church, uh, whoever you get is who you get. And so you don't necessarily have as good of an option for education or community. And you, you have to unite around whatever you can uh, and and hope that that is sufficient to build you up in the faith. Moving then from that small rural congregation that just barely held it together to a larger uh, community over in Seattle uh, was was a very different experience because the church was uh, I hesitate to say more intellectual but more more interested in study. Um, there, there wasn't an intellectualism that I, I found in other places where they, they're very proud of how much they think and how much they read the Book of Concord. This was people who, who read the Bible 
and who knew the fight they were in. Uh, the, the biggest thing that strikes me about meeting confessional people, uh, Lutherans from the, the West Coast, from, from heavily uh, progressive environments, is that they understand what it means to stand against the culture. They understand what it means to be at enmity with the world because the world is so evidently at enmity with them. And so identifying with one another as a Christian is somewhat easier. And being honest about that in that environment uh, and, and leaning into distinctives is easier. What I found as I came out to the Midwest is that leaning into those distinctives isn't as isn't as incentivized by the culture because the general ethos of the surrounding culture is more Christian. Now I think I think most people would agree if I if I say the culture as a whole even in the Midwest is tending to be less Christian. Uh, over these these last few years, it has degraded in that in that direction, and consequently, leaning into distinctives has become easier. Uh, and it's not to say that there are not those who do lean into them, but the zeitgeist uh, and the impetus for your average Lutheran to be there isn't the same because there's so many more, and and to a large degree, that's been a, a great comfort knowing. Uh, there's there's more people out here who are Lutheran, who understand that identity and what that confession, what that unique confession means. But there's also a bit of a malaise. Uh, there's less understanding of the enmity that needs to be uh, under, understood clearly between us and the world around us. And so finding a place that's cognizant of that that's willing to fight back with that fervor I found back home, back west, uh, has been, it's been a challenge. But now St. Paul is that place uh, for me where there's an understanding, you don't just do what everybody else does. You don't just follow along with the culture. In fact, you're obligated to call it out and expect them to hate you for it and just bear it, bear that brunt of speaking the truth, honestly, not being not outwardly you know, going out and seeking provocation, but boldly offending with the offense of the cross. Um, that that wasn't that wasn't easy to find uh, here, uh, but now that I've found it, I'm I'm I feel very very blessed. The other. The other place I've been, honestly, so so that that two months in India, honestly, uh, was kind of an interesting experience there as well because I found something similar there. Uh, there is such a hostile environment there. The Hindu religion is so strong that finding any semblance of Christianity was a breath of fresh air. Uh, and so, in in all of those places, that's that's been the consistent search: is where is the liturgy present and how hard are people willing to fight to maintain their doctrine and, and hold on to that, that godly way of life? That makes sense. Uh, you really articulated something that I've been trying to put my finger on since getting here to St. Louis is that there are there isn't that same 
the 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 difference isn't so stark that that it's obvious that one needs to be more willing to to fight and to struggle yeah the the there's still an illusion in the heartland of the great Christian nation. And I do believe it's it's falling apart now, and, and that's God's gift to us, is that he's tearing that down through the, the noise that's coming from the institutions. You know, the fact that corporations and media and government are all pushing a an explicitly anti-Christian agenda, particularly as regards sexual ethics, it's allowed the heartland to wake up and given them that that awareness. And it's, I think, brought the West very close here now with the center. Um, and that 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 inter intercommunication there has, from what I've seen, been very healthy because there's a trust being built that the guys on the West Coast, they see they see it with their own eyes what's happening. And the guys in the heartland then can can equip the people for for the battle that's to come, uh, the spiritual warfare that we're going to have to hold the line in our homes against uh, some very very powerful worldly worldly forces. Yeah, that's true. What's your vocation? I am an embedded systems engineer. Uh, so to break that down uh, more accurately, I test automotive control systems. And to break it down more accurately, I am a manager for a team that that, that tests automotive control systems. So I, uh, I get to work on making sure that new cars, uh, if they ever get built with whatever chips we're able to get a hold of, um, that they don't, uh, that they don't break when you're trying to go uphill in the Rockies, in the cold or in the, you know, 100 degree heat in this, the uh, Death Valley sort of thing to make sure that the car works the way it's supposed to work and that we f- figure out any kinks before we give it to the customer. So uh, it's uh, it's good work and it's allowed me to to work remotely and, and have a little bit of flexibility in, in the things I do. Let's move on and talk about Rockford a bit. Help orient us geographically. Where exactly is it in Illinois? It's uh, so Rockford's in the northwest corner of Illinois. Uh, if you think Chicago's on the northeast, it's you know just take the same thing to the west. Uh, not quite all the way to Iowa, just about halfway. But there's no route that'll get you directly there. Um, you can draw a, a pretty good triangle between Chicago, Milwaukee, and, and Rockford. You know, that's you know, Rockford's to the west there. Uh, so it's. It's kind of the middle of nowhere, though. The the Rock River pretty well divides everything that is a Chicago suburb or trying to be a Chicago suburb from everything that's trying to be Iowa. You know, rural, uh, kind of spread out, and a little bit more, a little bit more independently minded. So Rockford's a weird harmony of those two different spirits um, in a place that can't be, it can't be Chicago, but some of the people kind of like it to be Chicago. You know, it's like they don't want to be Chicago proper, but they're still tangentially related. And yet on the other side, you have a very rural, earthy people 
Um, and so Rockford ends up becoming this weird combo uh, where it's it's been described to me and, and I found true so far as the largest small town in America. Hmm. Interesting. So let's go on then and talk about the benefits of being in the largest small town in America. What are some of the best things about Rockford for you? Oh, for me so far, it's been the people. The The people of Rockford are a, a treasure. Um, now, I myself have appreciated the rural aspect of it immensely, you know, that I can see the farms within a 30-minute drive that I'm in the country. Uh, I've enjoyed the rur- the urban aspect of it in that, you know, there's a pretty good uh, riverside life and you know, a couple breweries uh, and some really good uh, places where people can gather, good good stores, good good places to to be. Um, I'm not really one for nightlife, but it's there. Um, plenty of pubs and all this. So, so you've got a good combination of those two things. Uh, there's a a very interesting demographic mix. So, um, there's there's a, a variety of different cultures. Like old Swedish is somewhat diminishing. Uh, you've got the the black population that is also somewhat diminishing. Um, and then a, a new Hispanic community that's coming in. So the cultural mixing between those three is it, the, the points where it happens are actually very interesting to, to watch. And, and it makes the community space where everybody mixes very interesting as well. Uh, but the the people who, who are here and, and specifically for me, the people at my church, but also, you know, I'm a member at a local jujitsu place and. Uh, meeting people there who are from all sorts of different walks of life, who are training themselves, uh, talking with the the guy who runs the place, and he's he's a very intentional man. Um, but then you know, so that's 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 one side of intentionality. That's one side of you know the martial disciplines. I've I've also gotten the chance to talk with theater folk and you know, meet them and get to know them. And anybody who's in Rockford and who's here. Uh, and not trying to go somewhere else really becomes very content with being here and making this place whatever they can. Um, there's a few people here who come and they're you know they're on their way somewhere else, but the ones who are here and who stay here have a real passion for uh, helping out and being a part of a community. So you know the you're probably about three degrees of separation from just about everybody, and uh, there's there's a really it's a slower pace of life than the city, and you can you can escape it all when you need to, but you can also get involved and meet people and talk with them and have engaging conversations with interest groups without being totally totally in your own own world. You have to be aware of everyone else that's there with you, of all your neighbors. I see. Well, let's talk about the flip side. What are some of the the challenges there? You've already started to kind of hint at some of them. What are they? Yeah, so the one of the things that people would see if they if they look immediately at it is that there is a, a crime rate here that is above the national median, and there are areas of Rockford where you don't go after dark. You just don't do it. Um, the west side has has some of those spots. The east side has a few, but not as many. Uh, it's Illinois. So politically, it's uh, very left-leaning. The taxes are pretty high. 
that's something that you're going to have to deal with if you're if you're in a lot of places, honestly. Um, and it's financial, so there's you know stuff to deal with there. But it's you know access to some things is harder in some places. So if you're on the rural side of things, well, getting to a hospital a little bit more difficult. You know, getting to a, a grocery store a little bit harder. But if you're willing to sacrifice a little bit, you can you can make a pretty good life out of it. And if you're willing to try and dig into a, a slower way of living where you don't go out to dinner every week uh, or month even and you spend more time in a community, uh, meeting people, spending time at home, uh, it, it can make for a very – a much slower and, and more, more peaceful way of life. Um, some some of the cultural uh, intersections aren't exactly easy, so not all of that is kumbaya. Uh, but and the roads, oh gee, the roads are awful. Uh, they're not as bad as Michigan, believe it or not. Uh, so I I do think Michigan is is trying to intentionally create potholes so they can call them lakes because uh, <laughs> they're in competition with Minnesota. And, you know, so the more lakes you got, the, the better. Illinois is not trying to do that. They're just they're just generally incompetent in a lot of ways. Um, now, to be fair, they recently paved the road that goes effectively from where I get onto the highway to the church. So they've made life very easy for me to get to the church. And I thank God for that. So, you know, if if the state collapses at this point, hey, you know what? We got the one good road. It's just perfect. But uh, yeah, there's 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 challenges dealing with that politically. There's um, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. So finding it is hard. But if you're building for a, a different pace of life, if you're different, if you're trying to build an out of the way place and uh, build things that the culture doesn't like to be functionally invisible because nobody wants to be there is about the best thing I can think of, rather than trying to go out to the middle of nowhere where things are harder uh, to get started and, frankly, to draw people. Uh, here you've got a lot of infrastructure that's just waiting for people to pick up and use. And um, that's very encouraging, uh, but at first glance it can look like uh, it can look like it's broken down and dilapidated. So it's, it's a matter of perspective, I think. That makes sense. Let's take a moment to thank our sponsor. If you enjoy listening to audio and to the Lutheran Cartographer, you will also enjoy Audible. It's a service from Amazon that gets you an audiobook of your choice every month, and you can also try out the service for free for 30 days that comes with a free audiobook that you get to keep, even if you decide not to continue with their service. Check it out at lutherancartographer.com audible. If you're looking for a book to explore this month, I would recommend checking out Pastor Will Wheaton's Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, Recovering the Joys of Piety. It's a book about Lutheran piety, not pietism, and it was a great blessing to me as I listened to it on my trip out to Missouri. So check it out at lutherancartographer.com audible. Let's get back to our guest. What is it like to be Lutheran in Rockford? That, my, my friend, is a complicated question uh, because Lutheran is a complicated word. Uh, so 
I guess I'll break it down as I see it. There's a history, a heritage of Lutherans in Rockford. Um, it was a Swedish town for a long, long time, and a lot of Swedish immigrants, which meant that in the most recent divisions of it, a lot of ELCA. And as your listeners may be aware of, uh, the ELCA does not exactly push very Lutheran doctrines. So, no need to pull punches here. They they don't. Okay. I would say <laughs> ELCA is not a particularly godly church, and their sexual ethic is is explicitly ungodly. So, I'm not surprised that their churches are starting to wane, and there's a lot of a lot of empty, beautiful buildings here. Even St. Paul uh, had an issue where they had a big, gorgeous building in the downtown or toward the downtown area and couldn't afford it because upkeep was too high and the, the people weren't there and had they had to move. So they moved out to a plant congregation that they put in about 50, 60 years ago um, and have been st- using that building now but have been able to survive and hold fast. So the the blight has done a lot of that, we, what we were talking about with the West Coast, uh, where the, the dearth of good, solid doctrine has brought those who desire it together. Uh, thankfully, Lord, Lord willing, you know, the Lord has been gracious in bringing them together rather than splitting them apart and now finding a place to fight. Now, there are a lot of institutions that still exist that are holding some of these Lutheran identities up. So there is a local Lutheran school um, that is pan-denominational and is uh, actually state certified. So they, you know, they're an actual um, high school that you, private high school that you can attend, um, and so that latent that latent Lutheran identity does still exist in a lot of places, but the students are, you know, from, from my discussions with the teachers, not incredibly biblically literate if they're Lutheran at all. And, um, a lot of the teachers are, well, a lot of them are Lutheran, uh, thanks be to God, but not all. Um, and the, Actual positions that the, that, that the school is allowed to teach on and the things they're allowed to, to do are limited by state requirements. So at what point are you allowed to actually make a clear exposition of biblical teaching on men and women if the state says doing that is hate speech? Um, that's a challenge I see them having now and failing on on biblical standards. So, um, I, ex- that's where if you're, if you're a Lutheran and you're coming here for an institution, you're not going to find it. If you're co- going anywhere to support an institution, I would argue you're doing things wrong because we've idolized them and idolized playing the big game and they're all collapsing underneath us. Uh, and if we, if we try to prop them up, for their own sake, I don't see that succeeding. Um, and instead, 
if you're coming here because you want to be a part of a Lutheran church that is dedicated to reading the Word of God and making that a part of your identity. I can't think of a better place to do that than Rockford. Now, if I can find it, I might move there. But there's a reason I came here, and it's partially to establish that and partially to encourage what I've already seen. If you're, you know, if you're here, there's three services every weekend plus two services on Wednesday uh, plus an additional uh, time for devotions during the week, Tuesday through Thursday, to come to your altar and worship and, or, or pray. Um, there's a community of people who are not so so dedicated to their own idols that they're unwilling to sacrifice them in order to keep the gospel. This was the big thing about moving, that that the building they had was the building I want. I, I love that kind of building where it's old and, and the acoustics are great and it has a nice organ. Sure, that's great. But can we keep the gospel here? Can we keep the sacraments? Can we stay together? And to say one thing is more important, that the word is more important than the building, that the church is the people and not the, the infrastructure. That has been a, uh, an encouraging thing to, to find that and to then nurture in the people here, to, to have men who gather weekly to study the Bible together as men, to build one another up, to have conversations in church about theological matters and desire to apply that in your daily life and encourage one another with the Bible toward your daily life, um, to come out of the service and excited to talk about a 63-minute sermon and get more into it. It's not someplace I've ever seen, um, and I'm, I'm excited with what I have to, to, to continue building that, to continue growing it. Um, so how that how that goes forward, I don't know. I I expect it, there's there's going to be a lot of hardships, uh, especially as a lot of other places continue to lean into the cultural zeitgeist. Um, but if you come in here to lay down roots, to fight to to build a better a better future for your sons for your people, uh, for the proclamation of the gospel to the ends of the earth, um, starting with your neighbor next door, this is a, this is a very good place for that. It just requires a lot of grit. Mm -hmm. And for our listeners that aren't familiar with the term, is another way of saying the zeitgeist, perhaps the spirit of the age? Yes, yes. Zeitgeist. Um, is that a is that Nietzsche who coined that term? Um, I, I well, it's a German term. I'm not sure exactly where it originates. From. Yeah. So so yeah, the zeitgeist being what is our what is our community not community what is our culture pushing? So what is the ethos that you see from a screen? What is it telling you? What are the constant messages it's pushing on you from the television, right? So not just the screen itself, but the, the, the programming, programming that it's pushing onto you, how it programs you to think. Um, from the places you go to the, the, to the store, what is it telling you? The politicians you have over you, the 
sports ball that you watch and that you you know spend your time worshiping maybe i you know i don't want to condemn too many people who watch this but seriously rethink your sports addictions um it if you know the history of your team better than the history of israel you're doing something wrong as a christian i feel justified in calling people out like that so who told you that the packers mattered was it, the, was it the Green Bay Packers? Was it the NFL who told you that that was important? Who told you that David was important? Was it God? Who's more important? Um, so so who, what spirits are you listening to? What sounds fill your home, fill your life? And uh, what are the things you do to, to relax, to spend your free time? Uh, thinking about these things is, uh, is critical in this time in all places. And... This is a place I found that actually encourages people to to listen to the Bible and particularly the Psalms. That's really good. Say a little bit more. I don't. I know you don't have a family of your own yet, but what what's it like to raise a family there? From what you've seen in the experience of uh, your fellow parishioners, it, it's an interesting interesting environment. So. I know there are several young families in in the Rockford area. You've got some uh, farm kids, so uh, kids who aren't really engaged much in those uh, cultural spheres uh, that pervade our modern institutions. The there's there's more city kids who go to the local Lutheran school. Um, Across the board, I see it, it requiring much discernment. So there's a lot of people who are following along in, well, this is just what we do, not seeing everything falling apart. There's very good opportunity for raising children here, though. I'm, it's one of the reasons I'm here. I can speak directly to um, my relationship with pastor, my pastor because he's got uh, kids ranging from, what is it, 16 to 8 right now. And they are such a fantastic group of, of people. Um, the young boy is a boy, and he is <laughs> full of all the boyish energies and folly that every boy has. But he's got the opportunity to explore his world and learn from the men. So when the men gather at St. Paul, we invite him to come and we invite any young man to come from well let's say cut off would be like nine eight or nine um when you need to start learning how to be a man you want to start learning how to be a man uh until you die uh we'll, we'll take you because it's about encouraging the young men to the boys even to want to be men and giving them a pattern of life um that I see as a as a great and almost unique benefit of this is that we're not going to treat a ten year old boy like he's supposed to stay a boy. Um, the women have opportunities to um, be women together. There's a lot of young girls here, so um, there's conversations that are able to occur. Building that culture is is a, a longer process because trying to harmonize that is not something that I'm equipped to do uh, just yet. Lord willing, that'll that'll come about in the next few few years. 
But if you want to raise godly children, this this place is a, is an easy place to do it so long as you're willing to make sacrifices. Um, can they go to sports? Well, do you really want them to? Um, is that the best use of their time? Can you have them interacting with other kids for community and growth? Yes. Can you have them interacting with adults so they can learn the values of a godly life? Yes. And um, the fact that here you you can cut out so much of the noise and realize that life isn't easy can actually give children an understanding of responsibility, uh, the need for anti-fragility, where when you get hurt, you get stronger. Um, you know, not 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 break, but you know, when you when you stress a muscle, you strengthen it. Um, those those patterns of life that are so important to development, uh, I I did not find in the urban environments in which I've lived, or suburban environments especially, um, and. So having a good large small town vibe, it gives a good place for that uh, sharpening of young minds and encouragement of them. The the need to raise those children and, and the criticality of bringing them up in the faith is something that we at St. Paul do thoroughly encourage as well. And that support from your community and your pastor are, I believe, uh, essential in creating godly families. Absolutely. Let's go on and talk about some of the unique things about Rockford. What If you had a friend coming into town, what would you take them out to see or do, whether it's museums, restaurants, activities? What would you do if you had a friend coming into town? Well... In, in line with a lot of those countercultural uh, answers that I'm hoping to give, uh, I would take them to church first. I would honestly, as many of the events that are going on at St. Paul, I, let's say let's say they're total heathen um, and you know never been to church. I want them coming to this. I want them to hear it. I want them to be a part of this, to participate, even if it's just in the um, male friendships that they get to observe and the conversations we have there. If that's all they get, good, good. Um, now there's a beautiful waterside. Um, Prairie street brewery is a really nice place to, to go. Uh, I've been there several times, but there's a lot of good, good restaurants. Uh, I just went to the Norwegian, uh, for brunch. It's a nice little, uh, nice little place that's, you know, kind of modern, but old fashioned in a, in, in a, in that hipster way, um, there's a few smoking place uh, places in the area for you know cigar shops. Um, I I know a good uh, dojo for jujitsu that honestly is probably worth your time if you're if you're in town to, to just observe. But and the countryside, oh, I would take them to the countryside in a heartbeat just to to breathe the free air. Um, but the biggest the biggest value I would say there uh, here is, you know, hey, come to my house, come participate in uh, a new way of life, come to my church, and let me introduce you to pastor and sit in on our one of our conversations where we're going to talk about the world and why the Psalms are the answer to all your problems. 
um, because the Psalms are all about Jesus. And the the conversations that we have as a result of that, um, the, the willingness to open up everyday life as the primary place where we interact as people rather than say go to say come uh, has been a very powerful change of mindset rather than telling uh, somebody, hey, why don't we go out? It's, hey, why don't I cook you dinner? And then you can be a part of this community or why don't we go over to pastors and we'll do something there or, you know, Lord willing, why don't we go over to this, you know, the community gathering place um, that uh, that we have and meet people, interact with people who want to continue this culture. Um, it is my hope to fight back against so many of the cultural institutions that we have here simply by standing and saying, no, we don't do things this way here. And, and confidently asserting that the way of life that we have is superior to, to uh, other things. So there are places you can go, you know, there's a symphony that's, that performs here. There's, um, different high school sports you could attend or what have you. But if you really want to get the most out of Rockford, I wouldn't go. I would come and stay with, uh, stay with me if you want. Stay with a uh, local family or you know, if you feel, really feel the need, stay at a local hotel and come and visit the church and participate in the pattern of worship and the pattern of life that we seek to encourage in our everyday life. Good deal. I mentioned at the top of the podcast that you're one of the co-founders of the Sons of Solomon. Tell our listeners a little bit about that. What is the Sons of Solomon? Well, I'm, I'm very glad you got me, gave me the chance to talk about this. This is something I've been working with uh, Pastor Jonathan Fisk and uh, Pastor Ben Steenbach on for the past year. And the fundamental principle is this. There are not enough good men, so become one. How, right? That's the great question. How do I become a good man? Read the Bible. Where do you start? The Sons of Solomon discipline is a, I mean, it's, it's a habitus, right? This is a, a Lutheran idea, an old idea of having a habit of prayer. And the focus of these prayers is the Psalms of the Diaspora. So these are the Psalms for Israel after they were cast into exile. What do you pray when you're a people without a home? Well, that's us. We are citizens of an eternal kingdom who are waiting for our king's return and for him to impose like the kingdom at the end of time. In that waiting period, we should probably pray these. And pray them with a focus on our King, our Lord. Uh, Jesus Christ is our Lord. And so sons of Solomon are encouraged to go into the Psalms. And, and specifically, our focus is Psalms uh, 123 through 131. And reading them, there's a cadence that you can find uh, for morning, noon, evening, and night. You can find that online at sonsofsolomon.net, sons of Solomon, all one, no hyphens, dot net, um, where you're reading two or three psalms 
throughout your day as your clock because clocks are a, are a much, much newer invention than the word of God, than the sun. What's ruling your day? I'm not saying throw out your clock. What I'm saying is prioritize scripture in your life as the pattern of your routine. And you will find that the words of scripture become the words through which you interpret your everyday life as they become your words, as they become your prayers through repeated discipline. Holding on to this discipline and recognizing, so I would encourage anybody who's, who's looking to do this, also consider replacing the Lord in the Old Testament with Jesus Christ for your devotion. Now, the Lord generally stands in for uh, Yahweh, right? The the God who speaks to Moses on the mountain. Um, I am the Lord, your God. Well, the confession of the early church in the book of Acts is Jesus Christ is Lord. Uh, that he made him who you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And this is, this is Peter's conviction of the Jews. So we can confess this. It's the same word. Um, and the Old Testament comes alive when you read Jesus into it. So suddenly we see that those prayers are given to us to look for our king to, as promises. Uh, when you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy. Oh, we, we aren't promised happiness in the Bible. Yes, you are. You are promised happiness because the verse before that, blessed is the man who fears Jesus Christ. Now, we Lutherans understand that fear is a very deep concept there. So put everything into that and recognize that your fear of Jesus gives you the promise of happiness. That's not something that we usually teach, but this is what, this is what made Luther a Lutheran. What converted Luther is not the Book of Concord or the, the Augsburg Confession. It was reading the scriptures. So let's discover that. Let's take that. Let's equip ourselves with that. And while we are praying the prayers God gave us, while we live as a people without a home, let's learn wisdom too. This is James's, St. James's advocate, uh, admonition to the people is to seek wisdom. St. Paul says this in the book of Ephesians. He encourages people to pray for wisdom. Well, if you were a Christian and you had read your Bible, you might know there's this little section right after the Psalms called Proverbs. And the first thing that that book says is to know wisdom and discipline um, or instruction, I believe is the, the New King James. But to know wisdom and discipline, let's let's. Let that be Yada Hakamu Musar is the Hebrew. Well, the discipline you're already engaging with, you are trying to, to discipline yourself by reading the word of God. Get wisdom. Now, we as New Testament Christians or people who after Christ know that that wisdom is Christ, right? The wisdom from on high. So Dwelling in the Proverbs, the wisdom of the wisest man who ever lived, right? King Solomon. They're not just pithy sayings. Deliverance is of Jesus Christ. 
is not a pithy saying. It's deep wisdom to meditate on. Uh, so part of the Sons of Solomon there, you're praying the Psalms, you're praying the prayers God gave you, learn the wisdom he gave you. Learn the wisdom he gave you to be wise because as the Lord says in Isaiah chapter 29, he judges his people by removing their wisdom, by making their wise men fools. He doesn't want us to be fools though. He wants us to be wise unto salvation. And I firmly believe as a Christian that wisdom unto salvation is wisdom and it should make us wiser than all of our enemies. And they should, they should hate us, I think, for how much wiser we are simply because we read our Bibles. That is, that is what the Sons of Solomon uh, discipline involves. It's praying the prayers God gave you and meditating on the wisdom he wants to teach you. And finally, carry with you your tools of warfare, a Bible, so that you can read it wherever you go. A prayer book, and I would I would encourage you, we've got booklets for the Sons of Solomon that we, we're uh, going to be mailing out here, so you can put a request into sonsofsolomon.net for that. But if you've got a small catechism, read that. It's it, The small catechism is such a, a fantastic prayer book to meditate on what the Bible teaches about God. Uh, and then carry a crucifix. And I'd encourage every godly man to have a crucifix because Jesus was a man, is a man, is forever, eternally a man. He is who you are called to be. Now, are you a husband? You are to be Christ to your wife. Are you a son? You are to, to be as Christ with his father. Are you a father? Look at that relationship as well. I, you know, look unto how Christ hand, uh, treats us as his brothers um, and be that to your brethren. And look at what the image of the perfect man is and identify yourself with that. Grasp it as your fundamental identity. Do it for a year. Read those Psalms for a year. Read the Proverbs for a year and carry a crucifix for a year. It'll be uncomfortable walking in to a store with a crucifix on, but you are a Christian. You may as well let them know. They're going to be shoving everything they have down your, down your throat. Now, I'm not saying walk into your, your boss's office with a crucifix and like shove it in his face. No, no, but be prudent and be ever ready to give a reason for the hope that is in you. Do it for a year. It'll change your life. It will change your life because reading the scriptures does that. Believing the word of God does that. And you cannot help but be changed by having his spirit, the Holy Spirit, not the spirit of this world, but the Holy Spirit inhabit your daily life. That's the sons of Solomon. And I have been very fortunate to work with the men locally on encouraging this discipline amongst ourselves to encourage men across the country and across the world in this discipline and to continue in further de devotion uh, in continuing my my delight in the scriptures from that simple starting point so don't try and do everything at once 
It's nine psalms a day, one verse from the Proverbs. Let that be enough. It'll feel like too much. But trust me when I say it, it will not return void. Because there's a, there is a God who delivers salvation behind those words. Absolutely. If people would like to, if the men who are listening would like to join in this discipline, where should they go? Honestly, I would encourage you to go to sonsofsolomon.net to find out what it is, um, to, to follow along that continued pattern. If you'd like to get in contact with other men uh, around the country, around the world who are in that discipline, uh, there's a Discord channel that we've got set up to communicate. So send a, a request to sonsofsolomon.net on the contact page, uh, and I can hook you up there. Uh, I'm, as the non-pastor of the group, it's my responsibility to handle the uh, communication side of things. So I'm also the engineer, so that kind of helped, made things organic. But uh, yeah, I can hook you up with that. We've got different groups uh, already in churches around the country. And the the fundamental idea there, though, is it's not an organization. It's not a foundation. It's not an institution. It's a discipline. It's an order of prayer. And if you want to do it, if you want to join, start praying the Psalms. Start praying those Psalms with us and praying for your brothers. Um, that's that's the best you could do. Step one is always, should always, we are Christians, the first thing we do should always be pray. Absolutely. If people would like to get in touch with you or follow you online, is there anything else that you'd like to point our listen- listeners to, place to follow you online, or anything else beyond just going to the Sons of Solomon website? At the moment, that's probably the best. Um, I am continuing to work with Pastor Jonathan Fisk locally, so uh, he might throw out something every once in a while that we're doing uh, on his uh, YouTube channel or or something of the, of the kind. If you stop by Rockford, I'd love to, to meet you and get in contact and uh, you know see hear your story and know what uh, what these psalms have done for you in your life and, and to see what struggle, struggles you're going through. I'm on the Discord, um, Athanasius the Hammer. Um, it's my middle name, and I'm, I'm very highly grateful to my father to, for, for giving me such an inheritance. Uh, and um, maybe starting a, a podcast, but I know I'm also going to be on the Evangard Occasional Podcast um, occasionally. So, um, always, I highly recommend the stuff that Pastor uh, Brian Flammy does there and would encourage anybody to, to listen to it as well. So, um, keep your nose in, in those spaces, but, uh, ultimately my, my intent is not, not, not to have too big of a presence. It's to, to have as, as much an effect on my community as I can. So, um, if I, if I do have anything pop up, I'll be sure to, uh, to let you know and have him pass, have you pass it on. Fantastic. Thanks for your time today, Titus. What are your parting thoughts for our listeners? I took much of my faith for granted before last year. And then for a whole year, 
the only place that I could go for meaningful human interaction was the church. And it changed the pace of life and the way I thought about it, where the the things I was doing on a daily basis were mediated through the word. We should not sacrifice that. We should not accept it when people tell us we can't worship our God. It is not anyone's right, whether they be king or peasant, to prevent me from worshiping my God. And I believe thoroughly that is worth dying for because that is the command he has given me to hallow his name and to sanctify the days to 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 come to him with my with my prayers and to build up a godly environment community i i in my time on the west coast found that the spirit of the age was becoming increasingly hostile. The the school I went to was a public school and I felt the hatred they had for me and my religion. I foresee that only increasing because Satan cannot stand to have the word of God rightly proclaimed. So I came here in God's good time to fight to fight for an altar that my sons could worship at, to fight for a place where I could be confident I could get the word and the sacraments, and I could live a godly life in peace with my neighbors and boldly encourage them, whoever they may be, to worship the one true God, the one who died for me. Conviction that I'm right has always come easily to me. Ask any of my siblings. It bothered them to immense degrees. But having the conviction to know I'm right because my words are God's words gives a strength that is beyond me. It gives me a confidence that is beyond myself to look death in the face and laugh and rejoice because all I see is the door, the doorway home. It's not easy to reevaluate your priorities or to find your own gods, your idol, your household idols. It's going to hurt. But if you start with the Psalms, you start with the word of God in small doses, meditating on it and making it a part of your life, you will find that God, who richly promises grace, mercy, forgiveness, redemption, peace, joy, and yes, even happiness, he is with you. He promised, he sealed his promise on you in your baptism. If you haven't been baptized, talk to, your, talk to, a, talk to a Christian, we'll get it, we'll get it done. Because it's for you. Because God is for you. He's for me. And we are immortal. Thanks again, Titus. God's peace.
Also with you, Nicholas. Thanks for listening to The Lutheran Cartographer. For more about the things that we talked about today, including links to get involved with the devotional discipline of the Sons of Solomon, check out the show notes page. That'll be at lutherancartographer.com slash 82. I want to remind you of the opportunity to check out that Audible offer to get that free audiobook that you can keep even if you decide not to continue with their service. That'll be at lutherancartographer.com slash audible. Until next time, I'm Nicholas Weber. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon.